Status is supported by Studio Sweden, who want us to see headphones not as just a tech device, but also as an accessory. The Studio Vazablaw wireless earbuds blend studio-quality sound with Scandinavian minimalist design. You can get your own pair of Studio Vazablaw or any other Studio Sweden headphones by using discount code STATUS, which will give you 15% off any purchase. Go to studiosweden.com and enter the code STATUS at checkout. Status is also supported by CastBox, which I didn't know is the only podcast app to receive Google Play's Apps of Excellence Award. CastBox recently launched in audio search, so you can find new podcasts by searching words or topics from within episodes you might like. That's nuts. CastBox is available on iOS and Android, so go download it and try it out. Welcome to the Podglomerate. This is Status, the podcast about how immigration impacts people. This is the third episode of season two, and the last episode in a series I'm doing where I tell the story of recipients of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA. There's no order necessary to this particular series, but after you're finished here, I do encourage you to go back and listen to Yah's story from last week. If you need a refresher on DACA or the DREAM Act, find the episode in your feed titled What is DACA for a quick explainer, and then come right back here. I'll be ready for you. Immigrant stories are often immigration stories. That is, they are stories about the act of immigrating, and they may not capture the fullest picture of a person's greater story. I don't mean to imply that there's anything wrong with that. I've told a good deal of these types of stories here on this podcast, but there are a lot of people out there for whom their moment of migration is not a complete object. If I were to give it to you as is, you'd wonder where the rest of it went. Diana's story starts with a crossing of an ocean, and ends with her immigration status in limbo. But in between all that is a rich story shaped by misplaced trust, isolation, and the grit of the woman who overcame it all. ...about my background. Um, So I was born in Sydney, Australia. And I stayed there for six months before my mother uh, decided to move to Indonesia. And I stayed there for four years. Um, she, so she married my father, who uh, has a very strict Muslim background. She's not a Muslim. Um, and she didn't really think that he would 
like somehow culturally clash, but that ended up happening and she was not okay with that. And so she decided to immigrate here. Now everyone has their own experience with the spectrum of religious fundamentalism, regardless of which faith is in question. In Diana's case, her father's fundamentalism was potent enough and so at odds with what her mother had expected that she moved her and her daughter to the United States to get away from it. Diana's mother wouldn't be the first person that immigrated for religious reasons. When Diana's mother brought her to the U.S., they lived in motels around the airport for a while. Diana's mom only had minimal support from her parents, and she knew no one living in the United States. At the beginning, though, Diana didn't notice that anything was wrong. But then I could tell that my mother was quite worried. Um, It was very bare minimum. Diana's mom had little cash, and she wasn't working. She used it for, like, her weekly Mattels and to buy us food. Like, we um, would essentially kind of eat uh, cup noodles and anything that was extremely affordable because um, she was running out of, of money, um, and she couldn't really work because she was on a tourist visa. One day, Diana's mother cried out for help. And unexpectedly, a man nearby came knocking on the door. He said that he'd heard God calling him to help Diana's mother. And so this this man, his name is John, um, he ended up essentially providing for her housing and relocation and ended up helping her find a job. John got the two of them a room they could live in, so they wouldn't have to live in hotels. And he got Diana's mother a job somewhere that would hire someone without the usual paperwork. Diana's mom worked there for a time, but ultimately, she'd have to leave that job. She had another plan, though, to take care of Diana. It was funny because I, like, initially didn't even understand what was happening and why she was um, hanging out with a bunch of guys, but she asked me to select the person that I... uh, felt more comfortable with. Um, So one of them was um, this uh, more studious Asian uh, person, and the other one was uh, this really fun-loving Hispanic person. And uh, so I, like, was just like, well, if if it was up to me to compare the two people, I would select it loving Hispanic person and and Diana's mother married the man Diana chose even though he wasn't a citizen yet and even though she hadn't yet been divorced from Diana's father after they were married Diana's family ended up living in hotels again for a little while Diana's childhood didn't flourish during this period her stepfather worked night shifts and couldn't handle the noise that she or any kid her age would make and her mother still uncomfortable in her new home and fearful for her family's safety, wouldn't let Diana play outside. So she just sat quietly inside. That process of just staring in a room and thinking about like things um, has allowed me to formulate really big questions. Um, I think like because I wasn't really distracted by like all of the potential possibilities that I could do um, since I was practically kind of isolated in a room, I started just looking back and retrospectively, like, asking why certain things happen. At this point, Diana was only five or six years old. The family did finally move out of hotels, 
but their living situation was never stable. They met a very generous woman who became a more stable mother figure for Diana, and that woman let her family live in a spare room she had for about a year. Then, when Diana's younger sister was born, they moved into a small studio apartment. Diana's family spent about three years in this apartment, and it was while they lived here that Diana started being recognized for her academic abilities. Moving so much, she'd always been the new kid in school, so socially, she was always behind. But in terms of academics, she'd learned how to keep up. The public school there, they wanted to move me to a magnet school um, or a gifted school. I also got like a letter from John Hopkins. Um, they were trying to identify students who were exceptionally gifted, um, but I didn't really know how to separate from my uh, parents and my mother during that time, so I didn't really take that opportunity, um, even though I could have. So Diana excelled at her new school. But it wouldn't be long before the family would move again. They moved to a new apartment in the San Fernando Valley. Like, it was fourth to fifth grade for me. Um, and there was a bunch of cockroaches in our apartment. Um, but it was better than all of the tiny air places that we were in uh, beforehand. So we, or I, um, had to cope with it. Like, had to literally cope with, like, seeing cockroaches all over, um, having cockroaches potentially crawl up to me uh, when I was sleeping. Um, yeah, it wasn't really pleasant, but I had to cope with that. Um, it was while living in the San Fernando Valley apartment that Diana's stepfather received a citizenship. While she didn't understand most of what was happening, Diana remembers that President George W. Bush came to her stepfather's naturalization ceremony. I didn't really understand what was going on. I do know that this was a huge deal for um, for my mom and for like uh, both of us. But like my mother during that time didn't really understand how to um, apply for citizenship herself or be sponsored by my stepfather, and she never really asked for it. Uh, so she. She just, she stuck around um, without documentation, without um, any sort of legal status or legal protection, because uh, she didn't really understand. pretty upset, if not very angry, at, like, a lot of things that had happened. Um, so he had, like, really awful dynamics in terms of introducing her to their family, and their family didn't really like her, and um, things got really very, very messy and complicated, and I just, I, like, personally just wanted to go back to Indonesia. And she wanted to also go back, um, but she didn't have money, like, so she wasn't working. She was solely dependent on him um, and his family. Uh, she didn't have any sort of freedom to, to do um, or to, to go back. Uh, she was too afraid of like essentially reporting or going to like some sort of domestic abuse shelter. She was too afraid to do that because she didn't like, she didn't want to get anybody in trouble. Um, and so, what she ended up doing was she 
she memorized my um, step aunt, uh, so my stepfather's sister's um, credit card information, and um, took uh, took that to purchase her plane tickets uh, to Indonesia. Diana's mother planned to make it back to Indonesia and find a way to pay her sister-in-law back. She had a plan to explain it all, but before she could do that, Diana's step-aunt got a detective involved. And before long... She was arrested. Um... I've got a pair of the Studio Vazabla wireless earbuds here in rose gold and white. And that Scandinavian minimalist design I talked about earlier is apparent. They look great. And they sound great. I use them to edit a good portion of this episode. You can get your own pair of Studio Vazabla or any other Studio Sweden headphones by using discount code STATUS to get 15% off any purchase. Go to studiosweden.com and enter the code STATUS at checkout. What podcast app do you use? There's a lot of them, and everyone's got their favorite. But only CastBox was named one of Google's apps of excellence. You can download it on the App Store or Google Play. And if you've got Google Home or an Amazon Echo, you can use CastBox there too. Go on and check it out today. When she was arrested, like, because she didn't really understand how to stick up for herself, she just, she pleaded guilty. They sentenced her to prison, um, and I think my entire world, uh, during that moment, um, was turned upside down. When Diana's mother was sentenced to prison, Diana ended up living with her family at her step-aunt's place. Her stepfather, her younger sister, and her youngest sister, who'd been born less than a year before. I didn't really want to be there, and I didn't really understand. Um, so I essentially asked them to, if I could just stay alone um, with, like, in our original apartment. Um, and so I um, stayed with my younger sister uh, in our original apartment, um, the cockroach-infested apartment, um, and I coped. I like my birthday passed, um, I didn't have my mother, I did miss her a lot, um, but I, uh, was able to kind of just endure through that. I made meals, it was actually a lot better than staying with other people, like, I was able to heal during that time. The terrible part was they didn't even let me see her, um, like, my stuff, like, they thought that I was too fragile to even see her um, in this way, which made me very, very upset because I couldn't even see her. Um, yeah. 
Diana didn't see her mother until after her mother's prison sentence had been served, and when she did see her, it was in a detention center. After her mother's sentence had been served, her case had made its way to immigration authorities, and she was held in a detention center for a period of time. Like, it was initially in her file um, that she was going to be detained or, like, deported, but... For whatever reason, there was this really wonderful officer um, who looked into her file and read it and was able to actually, in his power, put her under house arrest so she can go back. After house arrest, Diana's mother divorced Diana's stepfather. They moved again. Diana's mother met a new man, a truck driver. The truck driver bought a house for all of them to live in, and he and Diana's mom got married. But only a couple of weeks into their marriage, the truck driver discovered that Diana's mom was allergic to pets, and this was apparently enough to end the relationship. The truck driver divorced Diana's mom and left Diana and her family. She was finally alone with us um, in a yellow house, I think during that time she'd learned to, to not rely on men. Diana fell in love with her school while they were living in the yellow house. Seventh grade. Uh, And I personally really, really, really liked the school. Um, Her family did have to move again because of a flea infestation in their home, but her mother made sure they lived in the same neighborhood. This let Diana continue going to the school she enjoyed going to. But the space they were living in was small. Because it was so small, Diana spent as much time outside of the home as possible. Spent practically all of my waking moment outside of our room. Um, during that time, she was able to kind of allow me to to venture and um, to be super close to um, the school community. Diana got very involved in her middle school. She took a bunch of honors courses, volunteered at the library, and became one of 10 students who received a prestigious award for volunteering. Diana's natural educational success was amplified by the fact that she didn't want to spend much time in her family's small home. By high school, her family had gotten a larger place, but that didn't slow her achievement. When her school was discouraging freshmen from starting new school clubs, she started a new club anyway. She became the youngest TEDx event organizer ever as a freshman in high school. She built her school's speech and debate and robotics programs from the ground up. Diana was in her element. She was flourishing. Getting into college was going to be no problem. But paying for it would be.
it was very limited in terms of the type of aid that I was able to receive because there was very few opportunities that were out there for me. Diana was neither a citizen nor a permanent resident, so she wasn't qualified for a lot of grants and scholarships. She'd spent her entire life having bigger problems in her immigration status, but now, all of a sudden, that status was her roadblock. Around this time, President Obama established DACA, And while DACA didn't provide Diana a way to get any of those scholarships she needed, it did let her work. Diana used that opportunity in a very unique way. I applied for the Bank of America Student Leaders Program. So Bank of America has like this whole thing where they invited a bunch of folks, uh, a lot of student leaders within their community, um, and hosted them at their annual um, student leaders conference and gave them a stipend to work for a nonprofit organization during that time. During the conference, Diana remembers being in a session where the student leaders were talking about what could be done to help people in poverty. They were describing situations she had been in and proposing solutions. But as far as she could tell, she was the only one in the room who'd actually ever experienced being truly in need. The room just wasn't full of people who understood people like her. But in her senior year, Diana found an institution that did understand her. Diana's family moved again for the last time. With this move came the first place she'd lived where she could close the door and be alone. It also came with a school that empowered her. She was a part of their international baccalaureate program. She graduated there in the top 10 of her class. Also, this high school had experience teaching kids without documentation, and they had lots of scholarships available for these students, which Diana, of course, both applied for and received. So they were able to provide that, um, and it was it was super wonderful. Um, so I ended up getting like high school scholarships on top of um, like basically other uh, forms of scholarships that I was able to compile. Um, and when I had essentially received all of my admission letters, um, or. Uh, Berkeley seemed to be the most generous in providing aid. Um, also received another major scholarship from UC Berkeley, um, in addition to all of the financial aid that they've uh, provided and supported. Uh, in Berkeley, so there's a center called the East Bay uh, Community Law Center, and this, this space, this center was very, very, very wonderful. They had this one lawyer, her name is Perna, um, who I contacted to essentially help in my mother's case, even though my mother was reluctant and she was uh, using like other lawyers who didn't really want to handle her case. Um, Perna uh, took the initiative to essentially take her case, her very complicated, crazy case, um, go through her entire story and go through the entire system of her story, and she was able to, to essentially get her, um, her green card. Um, so that was, um, that was really wonderful. So after everything, Diana's mother had her green card. And because of that, Diana was able to get her green card. But that's not the end of the story. I'm in a very, very weird position because um, I recently received my permanent residency card, uh, but 
during that same year that I received it, um, my wallet got stolen. That means she doesn't have any official form of work documentation or any identification that says that she's a permanent resident of the United States. And she won't have that until her replacement green card comes in. And that will take a few months. But I'm hopeful for Diana. She's weathered worse before. And surely this will be the last of it. Status is produced by me, Matt Horton. I cannot believe I get to say this, but music was provided by Breakmaster Cylinder and Ben Mitchell. The Status theme song is Bread and Circuses Are Back by Ben Mitchell. Special thanks for this episode go out to Anna Fachi and Galena Meyer. Follow Status on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Status Podcast. And please share Status with your friends and family. Your recommendations are the best way to get the show out to more people. And check out the other Podglomerate shows. You can see The Feast, Future Break, Writers Who Don't Write, and others at thepodglomerate.com slash podcasts. I'll have more status for you in four weeks. Talk to you then.